Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. I'm a big fan of testing things. So like you might hear a creator say like, this is what really helped me grow my audience. But if you actually don't try it for yourself, you never know. Some of the things that some people say or that they've done don't actually work for some niches or where audiences. So you actually have to just kind of keep testing, keep iterating and improve 1% and you're going to be able to grow your audience a lot faster than if you just follow the advice that everyone takes to the T and, and don't actually try anything else. What do brands like Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, Vital Proteins, and Blendjet all have in common? They're increasing their embandered cart revenues by over 10x with retention.com. Visit retention.com to book a demo today. What's up, everybody? I have an exciting episode today. We're going to talk about creators, but I have a cool guest on today and she's about to introduce herself. So could you introduce who you are and how did you get into marketing? Sure. Uh, my name is Chanel Basilio. The short answer is that I kind of fell into marketing, but the longer answer is that I was working at a company called AAA, which is like a towing company. And I ended up being like the one that knew everything about computers. And so they kind of like pushed me into their marketing team because, you know, digital stuff. And um, their paid ads guy actually left and they had seen what I could do with other digital things. And they were like, you can figure this out, right? And so I kind of fell into like a $100,000, well, it was multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars of a paid ad, ads budget per month. So I kind of was just like on the run from there and, and learning as I went. I don't know if people know, but Chanel has talks about creators and has a great newsletter on creators. How did you get into like talking about creators in that, that space? After I left that job in 2017, um, I've been helping clients with paid ads for since then. And I always saw them like be able to send out one email and make like thousands of dollars overnight. And I was like, how are these people building these email lists without paid ads? So I was really curious about it. And around the same time, I started learning about people like Justin Welsh and Mario Gabrielli of The Generalist. And they were bringing in like hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, every year as like solo creators. And so I kind of just started reverse engineering how they did it. And then uh, in December, I published my uh, first deep dive, as I call them, of essentially reverse engineering their growth strategies and and how they grew their their list. Yeah, for anybody, you got Chanel has the greatest newsletter, but also she puts it out on Twitter. It's some of the most in-depth reverse engineering I've ever seen. So if you want to learn how to reverse engineer, look what she, she's doing. But I want to get into some of the common things that you're seeing with creators. What are like Let's go like the top five and we can break down each one. But what is like the number one tactic you're seeing creators use to grow their audience today? I mean, it's going to come down to using social, right? So like you are really good with LinkedIn, Justin Walsh is as well, but there's people who are just using Twitter to grow. So it's kind of just like you have to have some discovery platform and whether that's writing Twitter threads every week or that's publishing something on Instagram and having people find it and join your newsletter that way. Uh, there's got to be some discovery component to it. Uh, I think that's kind of a 
almost a base layer foundational thing at this point. The way I think about it is social is used for attention. So like you need some sort of platform to give attention and the best platforms. I mean, people who know how to do Twitter well, I mean, I wouldn't say it has the best organic reach, but the people who know how to do well get great organic reach. But if you go put out a thread today and you have no like network or anything like that, it's not going to get the reach you're expecting. But like platforms like TikTok or LinkedIn, you can get that organic reach pretty easily. Not easily, but like there's a content deficit on LinkedIn and then there's just a user influx on TikTok. So that's what's creating a lot of views on those. But that's a great point. Like I also want to go into deeper on the social part because I think a lot of people use social the wrong way. Like at least for like Justin and the people you're talking about, they use it to get attention, kind of like having like a snapshot view, a quick view of what they're talking about to get them people to read like a more in-depth version of what they're talking about. So what are some like tactics you're seeing in those platforms that they're using to like grow their audiences? The first one is just, and it's working really well for me too, is like the day before your newsletter goes out, you should be posting about what's in that newsletter. So teasing it out essentially, and then um, asking people to subscribe. So you want to get like your hook really good, make sure that people are like interested and there's some mystery to it so that people subscribe to uh, actually get it the next day. I mean, even for my small 13,000 person Twitter following, like (laughs) it's giving me like probably 100, 200 subscribers a week. So I mean, 13K is not small, so I I would, but 200 a week is crazy. Like, like people with pay budget or would pay one to two grand to get that in a list. So it's pretty awesome that you're getting that organically. Um, Obviously, it's taking you time to write threats, but you're already just repurposing what you wrote in your your newsletter already. Yeah, and those aren't even threads. They're just like a single tweet, and then the next tweet is like a link to your newsletter. So it's not too much more work, but it's definitely worth it. Most of these creators start on social. So the, the key for a lot of creators is like pick a platform that you can own, not owned like you get your own audience, but your own meaning like you can put out great content, you can get a lot of attention. What are the what are people doing next after they they start on social? The other thing would be um, like you kind of mentioned writing threads about like every week I'll put out my thread about the person I did a deep dive on that week. Uh, I know Justin Walsh will do the same thing. You can see like a bunch of these creators will just you know put out threads about that specific article that's in their newsletter, and then you can even say like if you missed it, here's the link. I think a lot of people use social media to especially when you're starting out and you're not really sure, you kind of just post anything and everything, but it's really about kind of keeping it focused and not just posting about your dog or politics or anything like that. So whenever you're doing on social media, there's goals like are like Chanel and me's goal are most likely to get build an audience on an own platform. Some of people's other goals might be, I want to get, make brand awareness. Some other people's goals might be, I want to grow my following. You should start with what that is. And then you can like reverse engineer and say, okay, what I need to do on that platform to get the most attention to get more subscribers or something like that. I think that's like key. So we've gone over like 
start on a social platform, repurpose newsletters into threads or one pages like you do? Well, what are some other things that some of the top creators you see in common are doing? Yeah, I think you kind of just hit on it a little bit, but repurposing your content across platforms. Like if you're doing something on Twitter, it's really easy to copy and paste it over to LinkedIn. It's not the best method, I will say that. Like creating for a specific platform is is the best way, but if you're short on time, like that's I think bare minimum of what you should be doing. It's just kind of a no-brainer. And then, you know, there's people like Dan Co who take that a whole step further and he goes from like newsletter to YouTube script to like create a video and then uses that audio as a podcast. And it just like goes right down the line. And it's, if you're already creating that content, like you should be sharing it in other places and just kind of not necessarily copy and pasting, but you should be repurposing that. When you're creating content, there should be some sort of like pillar content that you're going off or like big piece of content that you're like laying on, like whether it's like a new newsletter that, becomes a podcast that becomes a YouTube video or a YouTube video that becomes a podcast that becomes a, a newsletter or the, like the, a podcast that becomes a newsletter. It needs some sort of like bigger piece of content. So you can take that and chop it up into smaller. It's harder to do the opposite and do a bunch of small pieces of content and then try to work backwards to create it bigger. But most people I see like Justin, has a newsletter. He's great at taking the newsletter and writing things based on the newsletter. And then he, he basically creates once and distributes for a long time. Um, and with Dan Co too, what you're saying. So that's awesome. I think that's a, a key. And I think that's also missing. I think a lot of people just like don't repurpose. I think they think they're repurposing enough, but they will like do it once and they will not do it again. Like you can make a whole an, another newsletter based on a newsletter you made. You can make a, five Twitter threads based on like one newsletter. You don't have to just use that content once. You can use it forever. Yeah, and then like taking those and you know you could even schedule them out again, almost the same thing in like a couple months. And a lot of those people that were following you at the time that you originally posted it probably didn't even see it. So you can kind of reuse it later too. Cool. So I mean the. Th- I'm just trying to break it down how you think about it. So one social attention platform, second use threads or what you're using in your your newsletter to gain more people to put in that newsletter, whether it's like the beginning of before a newsletter goes out or after newsletter is produced and then three repurpose. What are some other things you're seeing creators do? Something that's really probably overlooked is kind of like a cross promotion or like getting with another creator and kind of like swapping audiences (laughs) essentially. So, you know, like shouting each other out in your own newsletters. I've been doing that and it's working pretty well. Uh, It's not super like a silver bullet, so to speak, but I'll do it every week just because sometimes it hits and does really well. And you, you know, you share your audience with another person. So I think someone called, used to call it like, like for like what, what that means is like, Usually the best way to like cross promote is like doing it with two people who have the same type of like content that are producing like a newsletter promotion newsletter. Like it's harder to do like podcast and newsletter or like some other platform, but like if someone's ready a newsletter reader, there's a good chance they would be another newsletter reader because that's the way they like to consume. 
for me, I see very little crossover of like, there's some crossover, but like of how people are listening to my podcast to like people who are actually like reading my newsletter to like, it's like weird because people like consuming podcasts different than they like to consume written versus they like to consume video. Like people have different consumption types, so it's better to do like for like. Um, also, one strategy you do that's very well, which I want to just point out, is like I think like hyping people up, like showing reciprocity with other creators, and doing it with like not an ask involved, and just like, hey, I, I'm going to break down this person's strategy, I'm going to hype them up, I'm going to share them. Like inherently, will bring them to your content because it's like if you do something great, like that's how I did with the market millennials to start was I just repurposed, not repurposed, but I just shared other people's content that wasn't big on LinkedIn. And that's how I kind of grew people liking the content because they're like, Oh, I haven't discovered this content before because I'm not on Twitter. And that's how my LinkedIn page started at the beginning um, by sharing other people's stuff. Yeah, watching watching you do that is really cool. Um, <laughs> it's so obvious. Like people are sharing content; they want it to get reshared, but nobody does it because they think they're like stealing or something. I don't know why, but the way you did it is awesome. And tagging them, and then they're all excited about it. The key is the the hyping up. Like the problem is a lot of people when they take content, they just take it and they don't go say like follow this person or go subscribe to their newsletter or give them some sort of like hype um it's more like oh um i'm just using this piece of content and just because their names in the piece of content like we should know to go follow them the key is to get them hyped up and hype them up if you're going to share that content because they created it not you right yeah cool so that i mean the cross promotion things are really i think co-marketing is great what is another tactic you're seeing that are and it could be simple. I know you say some things that are like, duh, but it's like a lot of food creators don't end up doing that. On the same token of like sharing each other's audiences is like the recommendations thing right now is, I mean, if it's really just kind of, there's no reason not to do it. So, you know, if, if someone signs up for your newsletter right after you could have like a pop-up that says like, here are three other newsletters I like. And the people that you're promoting there could also share your stuff. So I've seen really good success with with that. And it's kind of just like you're not doing any extra work. It's just setting it up once and then you're kind of sharing your audience with those other people. So a lot of those people, just from my understanding, do they have the same like types of news that are you or is it just in another vertical or another type of news that, that you think is cool that your audience will like? So it's kind of a mix of both. So like, it'll be people that are writing for creators, like in my instance anyway, um, or they're doing something that a creator would enjoy. I'm not just like out there, you know, sharing like a random fitness newsletter. Uh, it's more focused on like growing your audience or, or that kind of thing. So I want to actually dive deep into like reverse engineering process because I think not many people know how to reverse engineer well. So what is your process like? Let's say like you look at Dan Co, for example, like what is the first step you do to like start reverse engineering, like how he had his success? Yeah. So the first thing I do is I create like a, 
a playlist within, I use Spotify for podcasts. So I'll create a playlist within Spotify and I'll just add like every single podcast he's been on, including some of his own that I think would be uh, valuable. And I'll honestly just like, I take like long walks Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I just listen to them all on like two to three X speed and just kind of like pull out nuggets of like, you know, you listen to him when he had like 10,000 subscribers or 10,000 followers on Twitter and he's thinking about things a certain way. And then I'm like, oh, maybe he did this. So then I'll take a note and, you know, when I get back to my desk, I'll like go through and kind of go back through old tweets. And then from there, there's like a ton of ton more, but <laughs> that's the beginning. I mean, I mean, that's a good, so, so first steps that, and then, cause I'm just interested in like how you break it down. So, I mean, that's a cool thing. I've like never thought about like going to someone's all podcast that they're on. Um, what if someone like doesn't go on podcasts or talk about it much? Like what is like that process of that? So I'll do podcast and then I go to YouTube because sometimes like a podcast is either or somebody has a video on YouTube, but they're not. It's not really a podcast. So I'll see if if they have anything there. Um, if not, I'll just kind of go, start going back through their old social posts. So with Twitter, I mean, you can use something like Tweemex, which is like a little extension for Chrome. Um, and you can search back through old posts by date and that kind of thing and just kind of see what they were posting in the beginning and who they were interacting with. And it's a lot of heavy lifting, but after you do it a number of times, you kind of know what to look for. But yeah, so then I'll go and I'll pull all of their like social um, stats. So like how many followers they had and social blade is a tool I use for that. And so I can kind of do that and I'll put together kind of like a timeline of like a graph of like, so the X axis is like the date and then each of the social platforms, I'll see how they grew. And sometimes like there'll be a big jumping off point where there was like a big spike in followers or subscribers and I can go and like dig in and see what happened. The reason why I say that is because I think like the art of like reverse engineering is just like great for all parts of marketing. I'm just taking a creator, but like if a, a brand you, you love that it's a cool campaign trying to reverse engineer how they thought about it, why they're doing it, what was the key point of that campaign growth. I think it's just key for anything, not only like learning creators, but also if you want to be a great creator. When I started out creating the first thing on LinkedIn, the first thing I did was bookmark all the top marketers in on LinkedIn on my industry, and I would go just consume all the posts that they were doing it daily to see okay what's the trends that they're what are the things they're doing how could i get in the comments of their of their posts who is engaging in those posts that could potentially be my followers and if i knew that they were engaging on the posts i knew that they would be on the platform and potentially be a great follower for me so if you're in the comments and keep doing that that's it's just a great way to if you're trying to do anything in life is go to find the best who are doing it and at least follow, try, see what they're doing. I don't say copy what they're doing because everybody has different ways and better at different things. Like, for example, Justin Welsh's systems process, like if you go how he does systems, I could never write content like that. It's just not how my brain works. But I can break down and say, the way he thinks about it is okay. He puts down pillars, and he he thinks of he creates the same 
idea over and over, but saying it differently. And how could I take the same idea and do it differently multiple times? It doesn't have to be in his process, but how can I do the same thing for my audience in a different way? So I think that's like the key is like taking what they're doing that's working, but also fitting it into the process you have as a creator or a marketer. I think that's super smart because you can kind of, as you start going through their process and seeing how they're doing things, you start getting your own ideas. It might be completely unrelated, but you'll have like little light bulbs go off in your head of like, oh, I should do it this way. Or, you know, it's just kind of you're learning as you're going, which is really cool. What have been the biggest learnings for you as like a creator? What have some things have you learned with growing your newsletter? And I know we've talked about a little bit of stuff of plugging, doing your your threads, doing the one pagers, but what are some some things you've learned that all creators should adopt? The biggest thing I've learned is that like it's not as hard as it sounds. <laughs> when I was starting, I was like, this is great. There's so much to do. And it's like, it's still a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. But I think we build it up in our heads so much that it's just like, if you just got started, you would be so much further ahead than if you spent so much time like thinking about it and trying to plan and, you know, study all these creators and never do anything with the knowledge. Like, if you just start implementing things and actually take action, it's going to serve you really well. <laughs> I always say to people, the biggest learning is from your audience. Like, otherwise, you're just writing a journal. Your audience will tell you if what you're doing is bad or good or what you're putting on, you might not have the right audience in your following there. So, like, especially when people start on LinkedIn, the biggest problem people have is a lot of their connections are, like, former, former colleagues, former classmates, former this that don't give a crap about what they're doing. So when they start creating content, like why is I have 2000 people in my network. Why is my, why is my content flopping? And it's because you have nobody in your network that actually is smart. You might have a small amount that actually are marketers or finance people or what that actually care. So actually start going to go connect with people who are in, in the marketing space comment on other people's posts, get people to come follow you. It's harder to just start creating when you have no baseline of following. And the best way is to do it is start, be social on social, which is like a simple thing to say, but nobody really wants to take the time to do it. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. What are some things that you've learned from your growth background, like paid advertising that you've brought to the creator landscape of like creating it's not necessarily the paid side of things but it's just being around like the internet for long enough to see like certain things that you should be doing on like your website or like how you're promoting your like even when your newsletter comes up on social and there's like the image that shows up like nobody changes that there's like it'll just be like three letters or like the name of their newsletter and i'm like you should really be like putting some more effort into like the thumbnail of what comes up on social when you share your stuff it's like basic things with that and then just kind of understanding how platforms work and i guess being able to know where to go find paid ads like that people are running so when I'm reverse engineering someone who's doing paid ads, it's really easy for me to go through the the wormholes to figure out what they're doing and who they're targeting and that kind of thing. But I think that's great. I think one just 
learning the internet, but also the point of when you start acquiring a customer after you've done your attention, which kind of becomes the same as when you're doing paid advertising, because it's, hey, you need, like you said, you need to have a good preview image. You need to have a great landing page. You need to have a social proof on your page. You need to have a good headline. All those things still work on growth, but the only thing that's different is how you're acquiring the customer. Maybe it's actually, since you're acquiring a lot of people from social, and depending how you do it is threads get more attention. So you kind of have to be a little bit of educating with the landing page. But if you're like trying to acquire people in your network that already know you, it could be less educating, more like let's get to the point of a landing page. So it's the same methodology of what paid is. It's just how you're acquiring it is a different way. And it's usually free because it's organic. So coming from a paid background, you're used to doing like, you know, webinars into the funnel and, you know, like all the things, but creators aren't really, some creators are doing webinars and that kind of thing, but most aren't. So it's really interesting to see these like starting to come together. I think it's a really big opportunity right now for, for creators to actually take some of those, like, you know, the Russell Brunson techniques and like actually use them in their launches and that kind of thing. Just for everybody who's listening, a lot of those creators that Chanel breaks down are B2B type creators who are, are selling something. But like we're we're starting to see the wave of this growing. I think we're we're still early, but I con- usually consumer stuff comes to B2B later. Like perfect example, AIM was big for us when we were growing up and then Slack came and became in the B2B space. Now we're we're doing the same thing. Creators have been around forever. There have been athletes, there's been influencers, and people have been doing it forever, but it hasn't really been done in the B2B space that well where people create audience and then sell something. So I think this is like the beginning of a wave that everybody's gonna see in the next few years of like popping up of creators of all types of niches. I mean, it's happened in the consumer space for a while, but now professions and industry-led creators are starting to pop up. Yeah, it's going to get a little wild in the next couple of years. I'm excited. <laughs> but it's good because the people, it's just like any platform. Is, I was talking to someone who was great in social, and I asked him, like, what is the one thing that you did great when social? And the, he gave a simple answer was, he just went on platforms really early and kind of got lucky on those platforms. And it's the same thing with creators is like what you said early, just start because you will be ahead of most people if you just start versus waiting till the wave hits and then you're diluted by all these creators that are creating at the same time. Yeah. And like you might start and realize you don't actually like the thing you thought you would. So then you have time to actually like pivot and start again. (laughs) I know that's what happened to me. I mean, I was in marketing ops and I didn't really like talking about marketing ops. So I went to, I wanted to prove that a marketing ops guy knows everything about marketing, not just marketing ops. So I just started talking about everything about marketing because I wanted to show that I'm a T-shaped marketer, not just a specialized marketer and then that's how i grew it but if i just talked about marketing ops i probably wouldn't be a creator today just knowing wow that. um so that's just 
my process of just knowing that that's not the subject I like talking about day in, day out. And that's a key for a lot of creators is, are you passionate about the things that you're actually talking about? Because otherwise you just burn out creating content. Yeah, it's a lot of work. So if you don't like it, it's going to be a, a long slog. One of the last questions I have for you, which I like to ask on these podcasts is, what is a marketing hill you would die on? I'm a big fan of testing things. So like you might hear a creator say like, this is what really helped me grow my audience. But if you actually don't try it for yourself, you never know. Some of the things that some people say or that they've done don't actually work for some niches or or audiences. So you actually have to just kind of keep testing, keep iterating and improve 1% and you're going to be able to grow your audience a lot faster than if you just follow the advice that everyone takes to the T and, and don't actually try anything else. Yeah. I mean, a perfect example is LinkedIn. For I preach LinkedIn, but I would say LinkedIn is great for audience that hang out on LinkedIn, which marketers hang out on LinkedIn, salespeople hang out on LinkedIn, HR people hang out on LinkedIn, financial advisors hang out on LinkedIn, CEOs hang out on LinkedIn. It's just the people who are hanging out. But if I went to start a plumbing newsletter, that would not be the first place I go to create an audience because not many plumbers are on LinkedIn. That's the great point to make is like, Find the channel. Like just because someone says LinkedIn is the best channel doesn't mean your audience is actually hanging out on that platform. You should just go look. You could probably see if they're they are on that platform. And if you see not many people that are plumbers on your platform, you probably should go try Facebook groups or whatever, wherever they hang out. Yeah, for sure. Where could people find you, your newsletter? I wanted to give you time to hype up yourself. The newsletter is at growthinreverse.com. And that's where you can find me. I'm on Twitter a lot at Chanel CO. Chanel Co is my username. Um, and yeah, I'm on LinkedIn too, but you'll find me if you go to the newsletter. Well, thank you so much for joining. This has been really great. And if you, anybody wants to learn what other creators are doing, Chanel's newsletter breaks down probably most of the big creators, B2B creators out there like Dan Co, Justin Walsh. Chanel's doing it herself. She even has something about how I didn't mind. So go check her out. She has some great, great content. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.